All right, well, good morning. If you uh, grew up reading the Bible and are familiar with Proverbs, you know that when you read it throughout much of the book, it, it feels like a mixed bag of a book because you'll be reading one statement and you're like, oh man, that is convicting. And then you get to the next statement and it's like, that's a new topic, but that's still convicting. And then you get to the third verse and, and the same thing happens. And growing up, I thought the book had no structure and in a little bit more study learned that it has some. And so the first nine chapters uh, of Proverbs kind of provides an introduction. So in the first nine chapters, there's more that is tied together throughout it where it's distilling themes. So it's in the first nine chapters where it, it talks about uh, the, the wisdom versus the, the foolish. That's where it talks about those who fear the Lord and those who live in folly. And so the first nine chapters kind of function in that way. Then as you get to 10 through uh, 29, that's more of that shotgun approach to wisdom where there's uh, just guidance from the Lord, principles for living. And then you get to the last two chapters and it's two separate poems from two separate authors giving two separate points to kind of exit the book. And so just thought I would distill that for you as I was studying it out because it's like, man, when I read through Proverbs sometimes, it's just too much. And so that's kind of the structure of the book. And so last week, uh, Chris preached on listening, and this week is kind of a continuation of that. Chris was preaching from Proverbs 17 and 18, uh, and as Keaton read, we will be from Proverbs 10 today. And so this morning, as we open up the word of the Lord, uh, Lord willing, this is going to be a formational passage that helps us not only be listeners with our ears, but also people who speak wisdom and truth and life with our words. And so one thing we all have in, in common in the room is that behind our set of lips is that we have this muscle called a tongue, right? We can all agree with that. We all speak words every given day. Actually, one-fifth of our life we spend communicating things, whether that's through text message, whether that's through email, whether that's through FaceTime, whether that's through in-person, face-to-face, having conversation. We spend about a fifth of our life communicating with people. And with those words that we choose, we're either building or we're burning. We're either building one another up, we're either building our witness to be a representation of Christ to people around us, or we're burning that away with the things that we're saying. And so, so words are the things that create the, the most beautiful things that have ever happened in the world, and they're also the things that have created the most horrific things, right? And so like 156 years ago today, slavery ends in the United States. There were words that were said that helped cultivate that setting. But at the same time, there were words that were said that created slavery to, to be happening in that way for as long as it did. If we were talking about uh, World War I, World War II, the, the things of this world that create war, so often it's because there's one charismatic leader that's pushing people to some certain belief and those people begin to believe what he's saying and through the power of his words or her words, they start to follow after that movement. It's our words that, for those who are married, helped us get married when we said, I do. It's those words that maybe in moments of conflict created some tension in our marriage. Our words have great strength and meaning. And so this morning, the topic is the power of words. We'll be in Proverbs 10, 8 to 25. And the outline is this. First, we're going to talk about the way we build up with our words. Secondly, we'll talk about the way we burn down with our words. And thirdly, we will talk 
on the way of Christ. And so that in mind, let me pray for us and we'll begin to work through Proverbs 10 with one another. And so God, I just thank you that your word uh, is in front of us, God, and that we can learn from it. I thank you that you spoke creation into existence, that we get to enjoy it and glorify you with the decisions that we make and the relationship that we have with you that you gifted us with, Lord. I pray this Father's Day we would be able to tune in to your word, that we would have soft hearts, not cold hearts, that we would have receptive ears, not ears that are turned off to your word, Lord. And I pray that it would speak to us so that as we speak, we would know how to speak to others. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll go ahead and turn to Proverbs 10 if you're not already there. And as you're turning there, uh, just going to share a little bit of uh, the words of Christ from uh, Matthew. In Matthew 12, Jesus says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A principle that we have to be able to hold on to as we look at the word of the Lord and as we interact with one another is that everything that shows up on the exterior through the things that we say have to do with what's taking place on the interior. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so as we go through this portion of Proverbs, we have to understand that in those moments in, in life where we are building one another up with our words, it's probably because we're being built up by Christ. When we're tearing down others with our words, it's probably because there's an issue within our heart where we have not been seeking after the Lord, where we have not been seeking to love others. And so every time there is a word that is spoken that breathes life, that builds, it's a reflection of the heart. And every time there is some sort of tension, conflict, or whatever that's created by the things that we say, it's because of something that's going on in the interior. And so that in mind, let's begin to read through. Uh, in verse 8 is where we will begin. As we look at the ways that we build up with our words. Verse 8, it says, The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. The way we build up others with our words, the way that we build up our witness before the Lord among others, is that we begin by listening to the commandments of the Lord. In verse 8, it says, The wise of heart will receive Commandments That in the original text means to take, to accept, to receive the laws and ordinances of God. And so in order for us to be a blessing with our words, we first have to be listening to the Lord, understanding his commandments and his call for us from his word. In verse 17, it goes on to hit that same point. Verse 17, it says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. Heeds instruction meaning to regard, to preserve the word of the Lord. That as we're hearing it, that as we're seeing the instructions of God's word, as we're hearing them maybe from fellow believers, when maybe we're getting called out uh, for, for some behavior that we had, so much of us being able to build others up with our words begins with us seeking the Lord and having that heart to listen to him. In verse 19, let's read that. It says, when, our, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. So the more we speak, the more we are likely to sin, is what that's saying in plain English. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We must have that heart to listen to God in order for us to build others up with our words. 
But we also have to have a heart to listen to others, which means we need to be able to restrain our lips in certain conversations and in certain moments, which is quite frankly hard to do. How many times have you been in the middle of some just high emotion moment and you let that phrase slip that you really didn't want to say, but it felt like if you said it, it was going to put you in a better place against that person in that moment had you restrained your lips and listened Maybe that statement would have been not said, and maybe your listening ear would have been able to tap into uh, some sort of phrase or response that was in love. Through the power of the Spirit, you would be able to respond with the grace of Christ rather than in anger. And so the way we build up others with our words begins with us having a heart to listen to God and having a heart to listen to others. And we know from the book of James that it's not necessarily an easy thing for us to do. In James, it talks about how our, our tongue is difficult to tame. Humanity can tame all of the creatures of the earth, right? Like, it doesn't matter if we're talking about a moose, doesn't matter if we're talking about a squirrel, whatever animal you can think of, we can tame that in some sort of way. But when it comes to our tongue, that is difficult for us. And to the believer, it's vital that before we speak, we're listening, not just to the Lord and his commands in his word, but in conversation with others that we would take heed to what they are saying, that we would have an open ear to what others are saying so that we wouldn't have the loose-handed comment that destructs. And so we have to have a heart to listen to the Lord and a heart to listen to others, the restraining of the lips. In verse 12, it goes on to say that hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. There must be this heart to love. Yes, we need to have that heart to, to listen to the Lord, to listen to others, to be receptive to others' thoughts and ideas, but we also need to have a heart of love in that moment. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers offenses. That means love clothes itself. And so how many times have we accidentally said the thing that we shouldn't have, misrepresented our faith or misrepresented what we actually even believed about that conversation. But again, in that moment of high emotion where we can't really think straight, we've said that thing. How many times, though, have we been able to follow up with that individual, confess the fact that, you know, the way I said that wasn't loving, admit the wrong of I didn't approach that in a way that was caring for you? How many times has that love of confession towards that other person and asking for forgiveness, how many times has that repaired the relationship? And so we, we must have a heart to listen, but we also must have a heart to love. Why? Because love covers offenses. First Peter 4 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins, right? And we know from 1 Corinthians that love keeps no record of wrong, it endures all. Through love, we can offer forgiveness. Through love, we can welcome correction. Through love, we can practice patience. And so love covers offenses. And therefore, for us as believers who are trying to build up others with our words and build up the kingdom of the Lord, we have to have that understanding of, okay, as we're interacting with people, it's not just to listen, but it's also to have a heart to love. In verse 11, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Our heart of love must also lead us to a heart to encourage. 
And another translation that would say that the words of a just man are a well. So I was reading through this, it reminded me of uh, just growing up, I uh, went to Itasca State Park in Minnesota, it's where the headwaters of the Mississippi River is, starts small, right? It's a little spring, and the little spring then feeds into a stream, and as it goes, it grows. There's more waters that run into it, there's the waters of the earth that fill it, there's the waters of the skies that pour into it, and over time, what does it do? It, it breathes life everywhere that river hits, Helps with navigation, it helps with irrigation. As it goes, it continues to bring flourishing wherever it goes. That's what we get to do as believers with our words. We get to be a fountain of life that brings nourishment everywhere that we go. And so that as we speak, we're communicating through the love of Christ, through the encouragement that he has been to us, we're able to therefore be a light and build one another up rather than burn. And if we do that, in verse 20, it reveals what we get to partake in. It says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. As we interact with one another in that way, as we speak as a righteous individual made right before the Lord, with our lips, we get to be choice silver. We get to offer purity with the things that we say. And we breathe Life. Verse 21 continues to explain this. It says, The lips of the righteous feed many. Things that leave the lips of the righteous cause health, they cause growth, and they cause advance. And so, a way that we can kind of self reflect on this idea of bringing nourishment with our words is are there people who seek you out for wisdom? Are there people who seek you out to find encouragement, to, to have more clarity and understanding, to have more guidance? That can be a good gauge. If there's not people that, that reach out to us uh, to provide encouragement through our friendship or direction through our counsel, then I, I wonder how much there is that intent and pursuit as you are living your life to be somebody who is this fountain of life with your words. Are you cultivating that sort of culture through how you live your life where you're this fountain of life where your lips are, in, in the language here, feeding many. And so the way that we build others in the Lord's kingdom with our words is through a heart to listen, a heart to love, and a heart to encourage. And with that, it's followed by a lifestyle of healthy relationships. And so to reflect is building other people up with your tongue something that you do, or is that more so something that you watch other people do? As you think about the ways that you interact in, in, in your marriage or the ways that you interact in your friendships at school or the ways that you uh, interact with your teacher. You know, I, I remember growing up, I was a terrible student when it came to listening. I was a terrible student when it came to honoring my teachers with my tongue. And therefore, I got many detentions. And therefore, I was often in the hallway because I just liked to be a smart aleck all the time. As you think about the words that you communicate to people around you, is it breathing life? Is it cultivating? Is it bringing nourishment? Is it feeding people? And if it is feeding people, is it feeding people something healthy? James says that with taming the tongue, we can either bless the Lord or we can curse him. What are you doing with your tongue? Are you a builder with your words or is a builder somebody that you know? That you know? Where's your heart at this morning? Is it a heart to listen, to love, and encourage? If so, out of your heart, let your mouth speak. In verse 17, we'll distill the ways in which so often we burn people down. 
In verse 17, it says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Some people keep instruction and it heeds to life. It leads to life, rather. And because of that, they build relationships with their tongue. But for others, they reject reproof, they reject correction, and in doing that, it leads other people astray. Those who have pride in their heart, they reject authority and they demand that they are right. And in doing so, they become people who burn down with their words. In Proverbs 12, 15, it says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. As you think about your life and your interactions with people around you, do you often find yourself having a heart of pride, wanting to get the last word in, to prove your point, to be right? We have to be able to guard our tongue in those moments. It's a temptation. It's a temptation to be right. But being a listener and hearing people out and then speaking in truth and love in response is how God calls us to live. And so a way that we burn down is by having a heart of pride and of being right. Verse 23, it says, Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Some find pleasure in seeking after the Lord and gaining more wisdom from his word. And there's others, verse 23, where it says doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. Sometimes we have a heart that is hungry for attention. Sometimes we have a heart where we are trying to be the center limelight, where people are looking at us. And doing wrong is more of something that just happens out of our personality and who we are. And we don't see that as a sin thing, but a personality thing. And verse 10 says that whoever winks their eye causes trouble. Some people see the chance to look good. Some people see the chance to win a conversation, to stand out. And with a wink of an eye, they take the opportunity. With that arrogance in the moment, they take the opportunity because they hunger for the attention. And in doing that, they burn down others with their words. Other times we have a heart to hate. In verse 18, it says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. There are some who defame and tear down, slander, speak against others. Sometimes that's in person before them. If so, that's probably a high emotion sort of setting right there. But other times, I think it's often easier to speak ill of others when we're around our crowd to speak badly of others or a certain individual when they're not in the room. Many times we're burning down relationships as we do that. We let our tongue speak too quickly and we let gossip run. And I think the church is full of slander because it's one of Satan's favorite tactics to use. Is that we would let infighting self-destruct us. Rather than being a, a city on a hill to be a witness with the love in our community, we end up allowing corruption. And so much of that is because of our inability to interact with one another, our inability to walk with one another in love. And so this morning, reflect, do I have that heart of hate? And I think that heart of hate comes out of superiority sometimes. I think it comes out of envy sometimes. It comes out of jealousy where we see that somebody else has something that we desire or long for. And because of that, it's like, oh, can you believe that they said that? That doesn't even make sense that they said that. 
It's very easy to be on the outside when we're not with an individual and slander and speak against them. But what's the reality for those who burn down relationships and their witness? We are on a path to ruin when we do that. Verse 8 and verse 10 both say, A babbling fool will come to ruin. What are the characteristics of those who burn down with their words? We pride ourselves in being right, we're hungry for attention, and we have a heart of hate, and it leads to a lifestyle of discouraged relationships. And in doing that, I think many times it leads to a lonely place. Many times where there's people that have high conflict, I I think there's this corollary, corollary thing where there's high conflict that results in loneliness because it's like, man, I I have these mismanaged relationships around me because of that conversation that we had three years ago and we never recovered from that. And because of that, I just, I don't love being around them and I don't love being around this other group of people because they're so this and that drives me nuts. And, And we do that over and over. And in time, we're wrestling with loneliness because it's like, well, I don't know, just like other people are terrible and I'm always right. And we justify it. We figure out a way even from Scripture to defend it. When really, if we can confess that tendency that we have to have a heart of hate, to have a heart that's hungry for attention, we can experience unity with those individuals. So are you one who burns down with your words? If so, believe that is a reflection of a burnt relationship with the Lord and a burnt relationship with others. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's happening on the interior has great impact on everything that happens beyond us. And so what is the way of Christ? Verse 25, it says, when the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. The righteous is established forever. The way of Christ is that even if we've been burning down others with words all of our life, even if our tongue has been too idle, too false, too loose, too cruel, even if we've been walking in foolishness apart from God, the way of Christ is that we are offered forgiveness. The way of Christ is that we can have life in God through him. Verse 25, but the righteous is established forever. In Christ, we can experience unity with God and therefore unity again with others. And so if you've used words to destroy, if you've used words to distract one another, if you've used words to tear apart, whether it's in relationships with others or whether you've made big statements to God and walked away from him years ago, no matter what your story is that's created that, It says here in verse 25, but the righteous is established forever. We're offered the grace of God to be established in Christ. Why? Because Christ entrusted himself to God to welcome us into that same sort of relationship. And the same grace that Jesus offered to those who killed him, he offers to us. In verse 24 of Luke 23, it says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In that scene on the cross, Jesus is offering a heart of compassion for people that didn't deserve it because we have a God that's full of grace. And it's that God that's full of grace that forgives us for whatever our track record has looked like, 
Whatever our track record has looked like in relationships with other people, whatever our track record has looked like in relationship to God, he offers us this grace. This grace that doesn't even make sense that's out of this world because of his work on the cross. And through his word, and through his work, we can have unity with him again and unity with others. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We get to experience that grace that he offered in that moment. And so our mission at Anthem is to help people know, love, and obey Jesus, right? And so as we look at God's word every week, we gotta be asking ourselves, okay, Lord, what do you have for me? And the topic this week, right, is the tongue, the power of words. And so as you think about your life this week, what is your story thus far? When it comes to your words, when it comes to how you use the personality that God has given you, what do you do with communication? What do you do with the relationships that you have? Think about your life and your words. For the believers, we're we're wanting to walk with you. We're wanting to walk alongside of you because we have the same work going on of like, yeah, I just, I'm here, broken sinner, say the wrong thing sometimes, but I want to know, love, and obey Jesus more and more. So what is God telling us from his word this morning? He's saying that even if communication and our words and our tongue hasn't been God honoring before him and before others, we can grow away from that because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And so this morning, are you a believer who's experienced the grace of Christ? You're an adopted child of God. You've been forgiven of that past brokenness and that unbridled tongue. Is that the lane that you're running in? Or are you in a place where it's like, yeah, Christianity, not my thing. Following after Jesus, I'm not doing that. Maybe you're in a place where you have been wandering on your own path. And this morning, the hope for you is that you can be established in Christ forever even if there has been a past of brokenness. And through confessing to the Lord, you can be made right before him. Maybe you've been caught up using your words and your life for worldly pursuits. God calls those who have been blind to the gospel back to him. And I think no no matter what, as we look at this text, something that we can walk away with is we can reflect every given day and have a gauge of what we've done with our words. So up on the screen, we're gonna have kind of uh, some different temptations that we have with our tongue. And so sometimes, as we speak, we tend to be a sledgehammer with our words. This isn't as much of my personality, but for some individuals, it's like, man, I just say the bold thing, and I say it the way it needs to be said, and I leave it. And it's more of this kind of just like destruct. I'm gonna take you out with that big statement and it kills conversation. Sometimes out of your personality, out of your upbringing, out of the people around you, you might kind of be a sledgehammer with your words. Is that you this morning? For others, it might be a quiet record keeper. And if you're a parent, think of this. If you're married, think of this. If you're in college, think of this. Are, are you someone who is a quiet record keeper? Meaning you might not say these huge statements in front of people. You might kind of like skirt around conflicts, but then you go talk to other people and it's like, well, I'm gonna keep record of how that conversation with that individual went. Then I'm gonna go ask my spouse or ask my, my friend about that. And I'm gonna kind of keep score against that person. And I'm never gonna like go to that person and work through that conflict or feeling in my heart that I might have towards them. And rather than having that external conflict with that individual, you have kind of this external story that you share with your prayer group or with your friend. 
And so sometimes we have that tendency to be a quiet record keeper. Other times I believe that we are the smooth talker. We manipulate with our words. We, we try to kind of coerce things, say them in such a way to where it's like palpable. It's like, okay, I hear you and understand you. And we become winsome with all of our language just to kind of get people on our side. And we talk smoothly so that people relate to us well, so we can not have conflict. Are you a smooth talker with your words? Maybe it's Mr. or Mrs. Drop and Mop. This is more so of, okay, well, I'm going to drop that big statement, and then about an hour later, I'm going to feel bad for it, and I'm going to send a text message and say, hey, I know I lost my cool. And that's a good thing to do, to confess when we're wrong. But to have a lifestyle and pattern that is, I'm going to drop these big statements, create that conflict, and then try to mop it up the next day, I don't believe that is the Lord's design for us living life among one another. We're to offer that truth and grace out of a heart of love and encouragement to have unity with people around us. But sometimes we're Mr. or Mrs. Drop and Mop. Other times we're the funny guy. It's the, the center of attention. This is where maybe you can kind of run a room a little bit, make people laugh. And you say the, the crass thing, the rude thing that gets 90% of the group to just laugh at you. And then there's that last 10% who's hurt. And there's that judgment of the Lord of, hey, you're not speaking in a way that brings honor and glory to my name or good to others. Maybe out of a desire to have people looking at you, humor is the thing that you use to connect with people. And in doing that, at the same time, it's causing hurt elsewhere. Maybe it's the appeaser. You speak to please, not necessarily out of conviction, but in conversation that could lead to conflict you just say what's going to keep the peace, even if it leads to this bitterness and resentment and heart. And maybe there's a word that comes to mind that's the temptation for you with your tongue. And to, to be frank, I mean, we, we all have things that we wish we wouldn't have said behind us, right? And we're all, as sinners, going to continue to say things at times that we're going to need to confess, but this morning, as we look at Proverbs from this shotgun approach of a chapter, I think God is calling us to assess, to look, what, what do I do with that little muscle behind my lips when it comes to my speech? Am I building up or am I burning? What am I doing with my words? Consider your tendency, your temptation with your tongue. Confess that before the Lord. Maybe there's conversations that need to happen with others where there's been brokenness to work through that. And remember that every word that we say can leave such an impression. It can, it can build our witness in a glorious way, and it can also tear it down. What are you doing with your words? In Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Are you creating death as you live your life through your language, through your words, through the conversations that you're having? are you creating life out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what do you sense the lord calling you to this morning i'll end this sermon with a quote it says it is with your tongue that you can do most of your finest work for god with your tongue you can teach and admonish and encourage and console 
With your words, you can put out fires which might consume the happiness of many homes. With your words, you can turn away wrath and reconcile enemies and extend the kingdom of kindness and goodwill. With your words, you can strengthen faith and brighten hope and deepen love. It's capable of enormous evil. It's also capable of vast good. Uncontrolled, it works havoc, but held in check. It does the works of God. Let's pray. Lord, I just uh, thank you for the fact that we can gather with one another uh, in air conditioning, that we can be around one another with your word open, listening. And God, I just pray that as we uh, continue to, to sift through these truths that we see in Proverbs 10, that we would be humble, that we would be open before you, that we would be humble and open before community around us, whether that's in a community group, whether that's in a uh, friendship and a mentorship, God, I pray that we would be open and honest as a body of believers with how we've used communication to bring you glory and with how we've used communication to tear things down. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that builds up with our words, with the conversations that we have. God, as we desire to be a community that has deep commitment to one another rather than shallow connection, God, I pray that we would fight in a good way, for health and togetherness through the way that we speak, God. Thank you for speaking creation into existence. Thank you for speaking truths in a book that we could reflect on and be encouraged by through the work of your spirit, God. And I just thank you for who you are, that we can have life in you through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So, Lord, I just pray that we'd apply this text to our life. In Jesus' name, amen.